0: find somebody around you again and just say good morning to them today one more time. Well, good morning. Good to have you here today visiting with us for the first time. Thank you so much for being here. I'll try to keep my message under two hours today. You know, after the kids are up here and you see how they're so cute, sometimes I just feel like getting up here and picking my nose and uh, singing. "Ooh, that's great. That's cool. But we do believe in preaching and teaching the Word of God. Uh, some of you maybe don't attend the church a lot. I kind of can relate to you because I, I never went to church. And uh, my parents were not churchgoers, and uh, I was very successful in the medical diagnostic field. I was asked to administrate a church, and then realized I had a call of God on my life. And then living in New Jersey, and then coming up here, wow, 29 years ago, was like going into the mission field after living in a pretty populated area in New Jersey. So I can relate to you. If you are here, you're not really a churchgoer. Trust me, I've been there. I know what that's like. But I can just tell you this, God's good, God is real, uh, it's better with God, with Jesus Christ than it is without him. We're not religious here, we're just, we just believe in the Bible, amen? So we do traditionally here is we put our hands forth to me, if you're not comfortable with that, that's fine, we're going to come together in prayer. Father, we just praise you, we honor you, we believe you're real. Holy Spirit, as you walk in the midst of us. Just like you did to me, Lord, when I would sit in church and scoff and mock, that you would touch the hearts of people here. And that the word that I have today, that I have prayed for and believe in, in the name of Jesus, that I know will touch the lives of people today. Lord, we need you so much in this world today. So many are wondering where you're at. But prophetic utterances, the prophecies in the Bible are coming forth. It says in the Word of God, things will wax worse and worse, but Lord, you are stronger in all of us. I pray for listening ears, open eyes, hearts that are here at least to receive, and I thank you for it, Father. In Jesus' name I pray, and everybody said, amen. Praise God. Last week, I began a series along the Christmas line, and something we're doing this year that we haven't done in a while is we always have our Advent calendars, I mean our candles up here, and we light each candle each week, representing a different attribute of God and what Christmas season is all about. Last week, we talked about hope. This week, we're going to talk about joy. These are attributes or characteristics that should be in the believer every day, and I'm sure that unbelievers long for each and every day, and they don't have. So we're going to emphasize what those things are. Today, we're concentrating on the word joy. We believe that if you have faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, These are promises in the Word of God, provisions in the Word of God, and benefits in the Word of God that if you don't read your Bible, you would never know. I never read the Bible. And then I finally opened it up and I realized there's a lot of promises in here that are given to us as believers. The biggest promise is the promise of eternal life by believing in what Jesus Christ did. Christianity is the only religion where God has done everything necessary in order for you to have eternal life. All the other religions you got to work for it well i thought i had to work for it well if you read in the word of god it says we're saved by grace through faith grace is a gift jesus christ went to a cross died bearing your sin so when you stand before god if you believe what jesus christ has done then that is what saves you not your works the bible says we are saved by grace through faith and that's not of yourself it's a gift of god what The grace of God, it's a gift. And then it says, listen, in the Bible, not of works, lest any man should boast. Now, that dismissed me from not doing what I need to do as a believer. Absolutely not. But what we do, we do out of appreciation. I don't go out of church out of obligation. I go out of appreciation. I don't pray out of obligation. I pray because I appreciate what Jesus Christ has done for me. And when you have that hope in you, It raises up within you what I call joy. During the Christmas season, when we light the Advent candle, we talk about four characteristics that we should all emphasize and believe in as believers. One is joy, peace, hope, and love. And last week, we talked about hope, and we talked about faith, and we talked about expectation, and we talked about anticipation. One thing I like about this church is that people come here expecting... People come here with an anticipation because you never know what God's going to do. We've seen people healed. We've seen people give their lives to Jesus Christ. What does that mean? Well, now I've got to carry a Bible. I've got to go to church. No. What it means is you have a faith, a hope, a joy, a peace that you have a future to look forward to, not only in this earth because God is with you, but after you pass. Last week, we talked about hope. You all know the Christmas story. A star rose in the east and some wise men saw that and they were filled with hope and they were filled with faith and they had an anticipation and an expectation. And they knew that that star meant something. It meant that it was announcing the birth of the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings. And these wise men who were kings and priests in their own countries traveled two years. To find what they were hoping for, they recognized the significance of this child's birth. They came in hope, they came in faith, they came with a great expectation, great anticipation, and they endured the hardships, they endured the dangers and the doubts. They're just like us. I'm sure they were doubting. Are you sure this is real? Uh, maybe that's just some type of funny light in the sky. And is there really? Is this prophetic utterance really true? These guys were coming far from India and China. When they saw this star, they knew it was announcing the birth of Savior of mankind. I believe that the motivation that drove them forward was joy, knowing that they were going to eventually find what they were hoping to find. I love that word, joy. In the Greek, it's the word elpis. And it means to anticipate with pleasure. There's also an ingredient in that word hope, and it's the word joy. There can be no real hope without joy. Because hope without joy is hoping for something riddled with doubt. If you ever bought a lottery ticket, you know what your chances are in winning. You still got a little hope, don't you? But it's riddled with a lot of doubt. I doubt if I'm going to win. But just in case, if you've ever bought a lottery ticket, I'm not condoning it. I'm not going to say I don't do it, but I'll tell you one thing. If you didn't believe that there was a chance you could win, you wouldn't scratch that sucker off, would you? Did we win, honey? No. See, with that kind of hope, it's a hope that's down deep inside, and you expect what you're hoping for will probably not happen. Biblical hope means that you have an absolute assurance that what you are hoping for will happen. These wise men who traveled two years had an absolute assurance that they would find this Lord and this this King. Why? Because they believed what the Word of God said. The Word of God prophesied that there would be a star that would announce the, the, the Savior's birth. And they saw it. And they began their travels two years. Hate to burst your bubble, but even though we have this set up like that, the wise men were not at the birth of Jesus. When they showed up, Herod said, how long ago did you see that star? And they said, two years ago. And I explained last week, again, not to burst your bubble, that when they finally got there, two years later, it says they visited the young child in a house. Because Herod had all the kids, two years and younger, killed, hoping that he would kill the Messiah. But he failed. I think we need to admit today that in today's society, joy it's kinda of pretty tough to find, isn't it? I believe that one of the reasons why social media is kinda of successful, especially Facebook, is because it's so popular because it offers a false sense of joy. I have 500 friends, really? <laughs> one of joy's ingredients is the feeling of belonging, being loved, and being validated. And when someone feels validated, they experience self-confidence and worth. Unfortunately, words on a cell phone or on a computer don't always reveal the truth that's being communicated. True communication, believe it or not, is 90% body language and tone of voice, which you don't get. You can put your little smiley faces on there, but you could be lying, as far as I know. So why is joy so rare today? Joy comes from several things that are required to experience real joy. To find real joy, let's contrast worldly joy with joy that we can experience as believers in God and His Word. To experience real joy, we need to understand that joy is something beyond happiness. How many like to be happy? Amen. Hopefully when we're done here, we go out to eat and we have some happy times. But happiness is based on your circumstances. Happiness is based on no problems, no, no contrasting... Uh, situations or circumstances that come against you. But unfortunately, in this world, we're opposed by situation and circumstances, and there's always danger around us. We're constantly faced with problems. And a lack of happiness in your life has nothing to do with joy. In fact, the Bible promises us joy. When the angels appeared to the shepherds at Jesus' birth, they said, do not be afraid. I bring you great news of great joy. We say great joy. Now, what they spoke should be, but we don't see it a lot. In the Bible, John 15, 11 says this, that God promises us, Jesus says, that my, that my joy may be in you, that your joy may be complete. That was a promise by Jesus, that he would give you joy in this life and it would be complete yet so many people don't experience it that's John 15:11 biblical joy is more like a foundation on which your life is built rather than a temporary ever fleeting feeling based on outward situations or circumstances or experiences so let's contrast worldly joy or happiness with the joy that God promises us you know when people used to say to me oh you need to get born again i don't know what that meant you need to receive Jesus. What the heck does that mean? Oh, you need to do this. All I thought was that all you're telling me is I'm going to burn in hell. I'm going to hell because I'm not like you. And honestly, I don't want to be like you because they would knock on my door and go, you can be just like us. I'm going, no way. No way. But well, when I read my Bible, and I kind of find this stuff of my own. I found that, that man, there, there is something to believing that jesus christ is the son of god and receiving as lord and savior it actually produces a confidence and a joy in you that no matter what's going on around me god had a plan he told us things were going to get like this but he said don't let that bother you because i'm ever with you and i will never leave you nor forsake you well pastor why are all these things going on in the world that seem bad because there's a devil see people want to talk about the devil Our kids will go to the movies and they'll see all types of satanic and evil things, evil people, and they believe it, but we don't believe in the devil anymore. And I don't like lifting him up, but there is an enemy. Jesus said in John chapter 10 and verse 10, the enemy, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus said that. He said, but I have come that you might, might have life and have it more abundantly. I'll take that life. And folks, let me tell you, abundant life is not necessarily meaning you have 10 cars or a big house, whatever. God bless you if you got that. That's good. And God wants you to be blessed. But abundant life to me is happiness, fulfillment, joy, peace. And I'll take all the other stuff with it. But if I don't, it's okay. And the worst thing that can happen to me on this earth is I will pass. Death is not something to fear. All death is you, the real you. I want you to go home tonight <coughs> excuse me, and lie down and tell me where you are. Are you in your head? Or are you in your stomach or in your fingertips? Your spirit possesses you, the human spirit. When you die, your body ceases to exist, and you will, your spirit will leave. The you, the real you, leaves, and according to the word of God, we go immediately with Jesus. And according to the word of God, eventually you get a new body. I'm going to be six foot six, and I'm going to be ripped. You're not going to know me. (coughs) Say, I'm going to get a new body. Amen. Joy has several ingredients. Anyway, I found out that being saved, being born again, receiving Jesus, gives me a lot of confidence, a lot of faith, a lot of hope. And when I screw up in life, and we all do, and I have, we all have, that God forgives. And God forgets and forgets. And aren't you, And I'm so glad that I got off my judgment seat and stopped judging other people because we're all at the same place, guys. All of us, the Bible says, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Yeah, but your sin's greater than my sin. I don't see any degrees of sin in the Bible. Has anybody in this room ever lied? God's watching. If you didn't raise your hand, you already lied. Now you can raise your hand. We've all, and and lying, according to God, is just as bad as doing something else really bad. Sin is sin, and God forgives us of that sin, and we need to forgive one another. Let's talk about these ingredients of joy. The Bible promises me joy, because without hope, there could be no joy. And the Word of God promises us daily hope. Daily hope. It's a wonderful, wonderful scripture found in the Word of God. I want to read it to you. And anything you read in the Word of God, whether it's written for somebody else, it's God also talking to you. It says in Jeremiah 29, verses 11 through 14. Listen to this. This is God's Word. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace, not of evil, to give you an expected end. In other words, a hope for your future. Then shall you call upon me, and you shall go and pray unto me, and I will listen to you. And if you seek me and find, and if you shall seek me and you shall seek me and find me, when you shall search seek with seek, yeah, when you seek me with all your heart, blah, 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 blah. I'll say that again. And you shall seek me and find me when you shall search me with all your heart. Say that ten times, and I will be and I will be found of you, says the Lord, and I will turn away your captivity. I've heard people say, what my captivity? Man, life's great. No, you're not. God turns our captivity. What does that mean? Well, are you captive by fear? How about anxiety? How about worry? How about addictions? How about depression? These are things that hold people captive, and they're not of God. And God wants you free. I want to be, and I've made mistakes, so have you. God wants us to be, with all our failures, walking billboards. Hand me a track, somebody hand me a track, threw it away. But you can be a living track. You can be walking around with a smile on your face, maybe going through hell, but a confidence. I don't want you to be a bubblehead. People say, What's wrong with you? But there's something down deep inside of you that other people don't have. We have a younger generation searching for the supernatural, right? We talked about this yesterday. They they want the supernatural. They're going to see superheroes and all those. They want the supernatural. And where do they see it? They should be seeing it in church. They should be seeing it in the believer. This is hard for people to believe. But listen to this. Jesus said, the works that I do shall you do also. And greater works than these. I haven't risen anybody from the dead. But the Bible says, maybe. You know, I want you to clear out all the hospitals. Because that's not what God's telling us to do. You do what God tells you to do. But you have power to change people's lives. You have power to give them hope. You have the ability to comfort someone who's lost a loved one. I know what it's like to lose somebody to death. Horrible ways. And thank God I had brothers and sisters in Christ that came to me. Some said, well, they're in a better place. Well, thank you. That doesn't help me right now. But because the Spirit of God lives in you, you knew what to say. You knew what to do. And it's great going through life knowing that you're like a receptacle of hope and peace and joy for people. Hebrews 11.6, Bible, says this. Without faith... It's impossible to please God. Well, I have faith. What do you mean you have faith? Well, I believe Jesus is the Son of God. So do devils. That's what the Bible says. So do devils. You guys all have faith. How do I know you have faith? I hate to ask you if you took a shower this morning. But those of you who did, you turned that water on, and I don't think you got down on your knees in that shower and said, Oh, dear God, please let the water come out. Maybe some of you had to, but why? You have faith that when you turn that spigot on, water's coming out. You had faith that when you turned the key on your car, that it would start. You had faith. You have faith all the time, and all God's telling you to do is have faith in Him. We mean have faith in Him. Hebrews 11:6. For he who comes to God must believe that He is. Everybody has a God in this room, but who is He? Hopefully he is the God, and that Jesus is the Son of God. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Say this, God is a rewarder. Please stop saying that God gives, God takes away. Stop that. Stop saying that God causes all these horrible things on the earth. Why would anybody ever want to believe in God when God causes hurricanes and, and horrible things? Why, why does he allow them? Because he gave man free will. He gave us the ability to help people. I think if God had his way, he would stop all this nonsense. But there's a plan going on I don't understand yet. Real joy comes from several sources all related to believing in God and his word. One, anticipation. What do you anticipate every day? Well, I, you, I love my job, I love my wife, I love my family, and you anticipate good things. That's great till something goes wrong. In our world today, what are you anticipating today? This week, next month, next year, your future. In these days of fear and uncertainty, it's tough having an anticipation of joy. In the world, our anticipation is dependent upon our hopes for the future. You can't anticipate yesterday. I mean, God has been dealing with me, folks, because, you know, I got things in my past, as you do, that I like to forget. And the Bible says, remember not the things of the past. Remember not the former things, and consider not the things of old. And I love this one. And this scripture has become so real to me that I believe it's happening today. Behold, I am doing a new thing. Now, it has already begun. It's springing forth. That's the kind of hope we have as believers. Anticipate. Number two, to have full joy, you need to have a sense of security and safety. Today, this world does not exist in safety and security. Just try flying anywhere. Since 9 11, security we once had gone. I like to think that nothing is gone. We've had to take measures in this church, many churches in Lehigh Valley. One half hour into the service, our doors are locked. We have people out there to let you back in, but we're just, you know, we're just, we got to be on our toes. We're, we're blessed because we have a great relationship with Bushkill Township Police Department. They'll come in, they'll direct their traffic. They're sitting out there. If there's ever a problem, we can run out the door and go, well, help! No, but. We don't expect anything. But you can't have hope without a sense of security and safety. Amen? And do you know that the word saved, when somebody says, well, I'm saved, what does that mean? It's loaded with a lot of benefits. And two of the words in that word saved is security and safety. Psalm 91, verses 9 and 10. I won't read them. Because I have made the Lord who is my refuge, even the most high, my habitation, There shall no evil befall me, neither shall any plague come nigh my dwelling. Man, when you believe that, and you believe that, that faith is what protects you. God protects you. Amen? Sense of security and faith. How about Psalm 103? Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Oh, bless the Lord, O my soul, all that's within me, who forgives all my iniquities. This is a psalm. Who heals all my diseases. Really? Who redeems my life from destruction. Who crowns me with loving kindness and tender mercies? Who satisfies my mouth with good things so that my youth is renewed like the eagles. That's a promise in the word of God. And you know what's something? What even... I wasn't really a Christian growing up, but when I read this in the word of God... God's good. And it it says in the Bible that my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. You just don't believe what it says. And a lot of people like me didn't believe what it said because I never knew what it said. My dad was religious. We never went to church, but he was religious. And it was always these religious, scary things. I was terrified of God. Or God was mean. But to have real joy, you need to have a sense of security and safety. And I'm telling you, the Bible says that the angels of the Lord encamp about them that fear God. Proverbs 133 says, But whosoever will listen to me will dwell safely and be quiet from the fear of evil. What well, about all those Christians in that church I got shot, whatever? I don't know where their heart was. I don't know what they believe. I can't judge them. I don't know. Another thing is this, number three. I can have joy. By the way, I have 100 points. We'll get through them today. (laughs) I always terrify people with that. Anyway, number three. We have joy when we know we have provision for life. How many people have a job? Why? What do you have a job for? Provision. I'm working to provide for my family or whatever. Why do you have a savings account? Why do you invest in your future? Is it not the fear, honestly, being concerned about providing for your family? Of course. Nothing wrong with that. But here's what's cool about believing in God. Proverbs 3:10 says, "The Lord will not allow the soul of the righteous to famish. God will always provide for his people." And just cuz somebody calls himself a Christian and you're wondering why they're not being provided for, maybe they're not a Christian. You're not a Christian because you're not a Jew or you're not a Muslim. Christianity is about you believe in Christ. Amen. Philippians 4:19. My God shall supply all my need according to his riches and glory through Christ Jesus. Hope, faith, joy. I can have that because God will supply my need. Number 4, you cannot have joy without self-worth. Without validation. We always want to be in a position of prominence. There's nothing wrong with that. Why do I exist? I was telling the story Wednesday night. We actually have a Wednesday night service here also, just like on a Sunday, but it's more like a Bible study type. And I was telling the people that I was going down 33 one day and we were going kind of slow and uh, there was this girl in the car next to me. And I'm thinking, man, she is in A stadium singing before tens of thousands of people in her mind like you've never done that in the shower. (laughs) Self-worth. We always want to feel validated. We want validation. We want to feel like we're in a position of prominence. Why do I exist? In this world we struggle for recognition, love, respect, self-worth from others. It's incredible how much time and money we will spend to fit in. Ask the people in this church, I don't wear jeans to preach in. I used to wear three-piece suits, suits, but I didn't fit in anymore, I was told. So I'm trying to fit in. Uh, I need a razor blade, though, so I can slash these jeans up. <laughs> Self-work. It's interesting. I have to read this Bible scripture to you. It's, it's so good. Uh, it's found in Galatians chapter 4, verse 7. Galatians, a letter written to the church at Galatia. And it says this. But when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law. In other words, the Old Testament's gone. You know, Ten Commandments. I've been redeemed from that, that we might receive the adoption of sons. If you believe that Jesus Christ is the son of God, if you believe in God, if you believe what Jesus has done for you, you've been adopted. I've heard people say, oh, I feel bad because I feel adopted. Listen, when I got born, my parents got stuck with me. If they didn't like me, they couldn't return me. They didn't have a choice. If you were adopted, you got They looked in that window, ugly, ugly. Oh, man, I want that one. I'm sorry, that's mean, but you know what I'm saying. I want that one. I want her. I want him. And that's what God did to you. He said, I want you. And how does that happen? Jesus, forgive me of my sin. Please come into my life. I believe you are the Son of God. Adopt it. It's too easy. It is too easy. That's what the gospel means. Too good to be true. Too good to be true. So God validates you. Let me finish the scripture. So you might receive the adoptive son. Because you are sons and daughters, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. I can call Father God, the creator of all the universe, Daddy. Wherefore, thou art no more a servant, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. This Bible Especially the New Testament and the Old Testament is a will of God. It's the testament. And if you if someone in your family died and they left you a million dollars, well, let's put it sorry, they write a will and say, they're gonna leave you a million dollars. When do you get the million dollars? When they die, not when you die, Christians on this earth believe. Well, I can't wait to die so I can get the benefits of being a believer in God. No, when Jesus died, the benefits that are in the Bible became yours. God didn't leave you on this earth to fight the enemy and fight all this stuff alone. He knows what we go through. And he's given us all that we need to win. So God validates you. In fact, if you read in Ephesians chapter 2, verse uh, 4 through 7. Let me read that to you. This is really cool. This is, uh, this is the Apostle Paul telling us who we are. Listen to this. Ephesians chapter 2, 4 through 7. But God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love, wherefore he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, has made us alive together with Christ. For by grace are you saved and has raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus that in the ages to come, he might show forth, we might show forth the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. This isn't when you die, this is now. God sets you in a place of prominence and validation in his eyes so you can go through life with your head up saying, I serve the Most High God. Now, I'm not going to stand up in my office and say, I serve the Most High God. You'll probably get fired. But it, down deep inside, I'm validated. I feel good about it. I have self-worth. Why? Because the creator of the universe said, I'm seated in heavenly place. That's a place of authority. It's a place of prominence in the eyes of God. Number five. I'm not going to tell you how many points I have. Ooh, there's a lot. No, number five confidence you have confidence what brings you confidence in this world possessions money there'll always be somebody has more than you have oh I love my car till the other one goes oh I wanted that one thank God we have confidence in God because you know we can be moved by one person one critical word I can get up here and I can study for weeks on a message and I get up here A thousand people come, Pastor, what a great message. And some dodo will come and say, "Ah, I was horrible. What do you think I'm going to be thinking about all day? I'm so horrible. Hmm. I can say boldly, as the word of God tells me, I can come boldly before the throne of grace in time of need. That's what the Bible says. Skipping a lot of scriptures here. I want to move on. Number six, joy can also come by my success in life. Success is funny. Pastors are funny. What's successful? This is really, I I came from a church that started at 75 people. When I left that to come up here, we had 10,000 people going to church. Woo, successful. Really? Really? What's successful in the eyes of God? Wow, the music team. Man, they they sound great. They're wonderful. And I'll go to church because they have a great music team. Good. That doesn't mean it's successful. What's a successful church? I have to believe in successful churches where people are being brought to Jesus Christ, they're being healed, and here's the bottom of Lives are being changed. Lives are being changed. Success. Money, mm, I don't know. The world does not guarantee our success in life. Worldly success is fleeting, believe me. Here today, gone tomorrow. Ask Tiger Woods. Anybody in here a guy by the name of Howard Hughes? Richest man that ever lived? He died an animal because he had nothing to be but success in life. 1 John 5, 4 tells me that our faith causes us to overcome in this world. That's being successful. Psalm 1 says, I love Psalm 1. Blessed is a man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly nor stands in the way of the sinner." nor is seated in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in it does he meditate day and night, the good times and the bad times. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, who bears his fruit in season, and his leave will not wither. Man, I love this part. I was successful in the business. Well, I was. But when I read this about real success, and all that he will set his hand to do will prosper. That's a promise from God. I thank God for all these guys that are prospering in sports and in business are finally saying, I give glory to my God. I, I love when they, when, they, when they interview these guys that, you know, they made five touchdowns in a game or something. And, and they say, what do, you, what do you attribute your success to? I give glory to God. Okay, let's move on to a commercial. Success. Seven joy comes when you can trust in something bigger and better who will have your back. Who's that for you? Who has your back? Who's bigger and better? Who the heck is bigger and better than God? And he has your back. Your bank. Proverbs chapter 3, 5 and 6 says this. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. Acknowledge God in all your ways. And he shall direct your path. Now, I'm not a robot. I'm not an idiot. God allows me to go, but I'm saying, Lord, I say every day, Lord, if I do wrong, I shall hear a word behind me saying, this is a way, walk ye in it, when I turn to the left hand to the right. When I take a step, I'm believing God that he is directing my step. If I'm stepping the wrong way, he's going to turn it the other way. And believers, if you're in this church, you wonder, well, I had planned it this way, but for some reason it went this way, understand God has everything under control. And finally, we say amen finally. <laughs> Joy comes from fulfillment. Oh my word fulfillment. What in this world brings you total fulfillment? Like everything else in the world, worldly fulfillment, fulfillment is fleeting. And you will be you will find that what brings you fulfillment today will not last very long. I remember those days. Doing what God asks us to do and knowing that you obeyed him brings a fulfillment. Do you know that God created you? You may not believe that. It, it, listen, I came out of the medical field. If you think, this, when you think about a baby being born, what all has to come together, you tell me that's an accident. It's incredible. The babies are formed and knit everything, the circulatory system, the liver, the heart, all these things have to come together. That's why I really knew that there had to be something bigger and better than what man had. And I realized that success in the field I was in was never going to bring me fulfillment. There had to be something else. And you're going to find that in the word of God, there's so many promises that you will be fulfilled and you'll feel good about your life when you know despite all the hell you may be going through, there's something bigger and better coming tomorrow. Amen? So try doing something that God says to do and watch the fulfillment you're going to get. Because that's what you're created to do. Giving of your time and your talent to God and others. That's the purpose of church. I never went to church, but I really church, God says in his word, go to church. What do you mean go to church? Yeah, forsake not the assembling of yourselves. That's what the Bible says. What do we come together for? Because all the crap, excuse me, that we go through in life and all the horrors we face in life, we can come together and lift each other up, and, and talk about God, and encourage you. I've been through stuff. Hey, I've been there. Let me tell you about how to get out of this. And we come together, and we're like family. That's what this is about, family. Hope your church is like family. All these ingredients that we've talked about are for building our joy in our life. And this joy isn't moved by opposing situations or circumstances in your life. This joy isn't moved by the problems you're going to face in life. Having faith in God and his word will help you overcome them. The book of Nehemiah, I'm sure you read that. <laughs> this guy was told by God he wanted to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. And the Lord told them the joy of the Lord will be your strength. That's what helps you get through the stuff we go through in life. You're never going to experience real joy, folks, apart from God. What foundation are you building in your life? And where do you place your trust and your faith? What do you depend upon? Upon man or upon God? You know, when I see about all the things going on in this world, I was talking about this Wednesday night. I just go outside and I looked up in the moon and I said to myself, do you realize that's the same moon that Julius Caesar looked at? It's the same moon that Jesus saw. It's the same moon that way, 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 way back in history, the same moon. Nothing has changed. God is." stable. God is our foundation. The wind still blows, the clouds still come, the snow still comes, and we can't do anything about it. God still exists. God is still there. He laughs at all our accomplishments and stuff. Even though things are changing, I have to go up and I look up in the sky and I look at the stars and I say, you know what? You've been here since creation. And I trust in you, Father God, with my life. all who place their confidence in God will never be disappointed. Now, Not to make you uncomfortable, but I close every service this way. I want every head bowed to be I closed. And you can say hallelujah, he's done. But I hope you're sitting here like I was sitting one day when I went to church. My cousin and I, who is also now a pastor, which is a joke, used to sit in the back of the church and mock the choir and mock the pastor and make all type of comments under our breath. And one day it sunk in. This stuff is real. God is real. If you think someday you're going to stand before God, and you will, and you're going to tell him all the great things you did, I got news for you. His son is standing right next to him with scars in his hands, scars on his head, And the father looks over at the son, knowing that his son suffered and died for your sin, and you're going to stand up and talk about all the great things you did? This became a reality to me. Let me put it to you this way. This is one thing I noticed. I knew this stuff was real. Every time somebody hit their hand with a hammer or did something, slammed their finger in the door, they always went, Jesus Christ. Why didn't they say Buddha. Or something else why didn't they do it? why is it always Jesus Christ I get around people Jesus Christ Jesus, I, I'm under breath they go, amen Hallelujah. there's something about that name get in a group of people talk about spirituality oh everybody's talking about it talk about God everybody talks about it you mention the name of Jesus look out everybody gets a heebie-jeebies oh you're one of those guys. what's the matter with Jesus Man, there's something about that name. When we stand before Almighty God, the Bible says there's only one mediator between God and man, and that's Jesus Christ. For by grace are you saved through faith. Faith in what? Faith that this man, Jesus, gives up his deity, goes to a cross, and takes upon the sin of the world, the most horrible death a man could experience. I can't imagine... He was punished for my mistakes. And I say, thank you, Jesus. For all who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And folks, you won't be standing there with your wife or your friend or the people sitting right next to you in church today. You'll be standing before God yourself. And there's only going to be one thing that's going to save your butt. Excuse me. What have you done with Jesus on this earth? For by faith, In the grace of God are you saved. For with the mouth man confesses, and with his heart is believing. So we're going to say a prayer. Some of you may not pray it. I hope some of you do. The Bible says if you.